Welcome to the Christian Faith Center podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Here's a message from one of our pastors. All right. Well, again, welcome again to Christian Faith Center. We're very happy you're joining us this morning. I'm glad that all of you are here today. Are you happy to be here? Good. Well, that's, that was a good, nice response. So I'm very happy to hear that. Oh, praise God. You know, today is going to be the second part of our series about the season of power. This is a short series I feel the Lord put on my heart to talk about. You know, this time of year is a season of a lot of things, right? It's a season of cold weather and bundling up. It's a season of uh, seeing family and friends. It's a season where we celebrate the arrival, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But and it's also a season of power. It is. And if you have your Bible, can you open up to Luke chapter 1, please? We're going to be spending a lot of our time in the Gospel of Luke today. Luke chapter 1. And I just want to do a quick recap from last, uh, last week. If you weren't here last week, I believe we have some CDs uh, in the back there. If you want to grab one after service, you can. I'm not going to go into all the detail from last Sunday, but we are going to touch on a few main points to kind of carry into this Sunday's message. You know, we're, Again, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. We're looking at uh, chapter 1 and 2 the majority of this morning. You know, last Sunday we started looking at this conversation that Mary and the angel Gabriel had. You know, it was very important. Before the arrival of Jesus, Mary and the angel had this very, very, very important conversation. And, and what we, we pulled out of that is, you know, Mary's relationship with God played a huge role in her life and her receiving this good, good news that the angel Gabriel brought to her. Mary, you're highly favored. Why was she highly favored? She was highly favored because she followed all of the statutes and law that God had given to her. As a good Old Testament woman would, she followed all of those things. She was highly favored. And we talked last Sunday about how you and I are highly favored. Amen? And the angel then tells her, you're highly favored and you've been uh, accepted, right? And we've been accepted because of Christ, you and I, we have been accepted in many, many ways. We've been accepted into the family of God. We've been accepted into his grace. We've been accepted into his blessing, his provision, his inheritance. We've been accepted into a lot of these things. And that was another main point that we talked about. And this was a big one that, you know, God makes the impossible possible. We're going to study that a little bit more today, but, you know, it's so, it's so refreshing to remember that God can take an impossible situation and make it possible. He can take a young girl who is a virgin and have her give birth to the Son of God. He can take a man that was in his hundreds and a wife that is in her 80s and have her give birth to somebody else. And God can do impossible things because he's a God of the impossible. He makes all things possible. And the Holy Spirit changes our situation because when the angel was talking with Mary, he said, the power of God will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of God will overshadow you because when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, it changes our lives. When the Holy Spirit comes into our situation, it changes our situation. It, It doesn't matter what the situation is. As soon as the Holy Spirit's there, the situation's going to change. You might not see it right away. It might take nine months for the, the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to materialize and change your situation like it was with Mary. It took her nine months to see her Savior being born. It might take a period of time for you and I, but we never wait or never worry about waiting. We wait with that confident expectation, right? We have that hope because the Holy Spirit changes our situation. And then last point we touched on briefly, which is really what we're going to study a lot today is have the right response. 
because the right response means everything. And that's really what we're going to study a lot of today. Did we find Luke chapter 1? Let's look at verse 36. <clears throat> so now the angel and Mary are still talking, right? This is kind of tying it to last week. It says, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For, God, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Can we, can we say that again out loud? For with God, nothing will be impossible. Verse 38 says, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Because see, our response to God opens the doors for the impossible in our lives. The response for God, the response to God opens the doors for impossible things to take place. And our agreement with God allows that to take place. That let it be that Mary says was huge. Those three words were so significant because without her permission, God was not going to force his way in her life. And without our acceptance, our let it be, God will not impose his will in our lives. But when we say, Lord, let it be, I'm saying, Lord, I know that you can do all things. In my finite thinking, in my finite capacity, I cannot do all things, but I know that you are the God that makes the impossible possible. I know you are the God that could take a valley of dried bones and raise up an army. I know that you're the God that can do miraculous things. Lord, let it be. That's what Mary said. And what happened? It was. See, because your response means everything to God. Your response, our response, my response means everything to God because God is not going to force his way in his life. He's not going to force his will over you. He's not going to twist your arm and make you do something you don't want to do. But when we're ready for it, when we receive it, when the let it be comes out of our mouth, man, God can, God can do impossible things. Amen? When the let it be comes out, that response to God, I, I just see his face just light up and go, all right, great, they're ready for it. You know, if you could have anything that God wants you to have, wouldn't you want that? If you could have anything God wants you to have that would bless you, that would benefit you, wouldn't you want to receive that? I would want to receive that. Why do we, how do we receive it? Lord, let it be. Lord, let it be. Let's pray before we go any further. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that we have hearts to receive, ears to hear, and a mind to, to comprehend the revelation of, of the truth that is in Scripture, Lord, the truth that is in your word. Father, I pray that today we leave here changed, that we leave here emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we recognize the importance of our response to your promises, our response to your truth, our response to your life, Lord, so that we can live a life that is pleasing to you, that is honoring to you, that spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you for everybody hearing this today, that they're going to be blessed by your word and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's look back at this again, okay? Let's look at verse um, 34. The first point I want us to talk about is we have to realize that our position in Christ matters. You know, realize that your position in Christ matters. It's so important. Look at verse 34, Luke 1, verse 34. It's our position in Christ matters matter. So we're going to recap very briefly. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Right? He tells her, you're going to give birth. How can this be? For I don't know a man. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in the power, right? Dunamis, that, that miracle power in action. 
The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. I love how the angel reminds her she was called barren. She's not barren anymore because he preps it preps her for the next revelation again, for with God nothing will be impossible. And this is their response. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. So the first thing I want us to look at here is that word maidservant, because that is one of the lowest terms someone can relate to themselves. It is the lowest form of servanthood that someone would say, yes, I am a maidservant. I am a manservant. That is not like a a title of honor or a title of glory. That is a title of servanthood. And, And when you think about this for a moment, think about who Mary is in the scope of eternity. She is the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She is the mother of salvation. She is the mother of redemption. She is the mother of the glory and grace and love of God personified here on earth. And she realizes all of this because she recognizes about her Lord, her Savior. And we see in Scripture, she, she refers to Jesus as her Lord and as her Savior. And yet her position within Christ superseded her natural position. She, she could have li- focused on the literal importance of who she was in the scope of history and said, wow, I am the mother of a savior. But no, she didn't. She says, behold, the maid servant. Her physical status to Jesus wasn't the focal point. Her spiritual status was. She realized that Jesus was her savior. Even though she was the mother of Jesus, she realized, I cannot save myself. I cannot just give birth to the savior and be okay. I have to give birth to him, but then I have to submit to him. That's hard, right? Most parents aren't gonna go to their child and go, what do you want? I'll do anything you want, right? Whatever whatever you want me to do, I'll give you anything you want, right? Because they're gonna wanna eat candy all day long. They're gonna do things that they they probably shouldn't do, right? Parents don't submit to their children. Mary submitted to Jesus because she knew the importance of her relationship with her Savior son, not just the child that she was bearing, because that was a very important role. See, See, being a mother could never change the fact that only Jesus could provide salvation, even to Mary. Even to Mary, only Jesus could provide salvation for Mary. Mary was blessed. There is no doubt about that. I'm never going to question the fact that Mary was blessed. But we don't worship the person that was blessed. We worship the person that brought the blessing of God to us, which is Jesus. Because if you hear people talk about the blessed virgin, yes, she's blessed. We don't worship her because why? She worshiped Jesus. We worship Jesus. Jesus. We honor Jesus. We're a servant to Jesus because that's exactly what Mary was. Now, here's the important thing. Mary needed a Savior. You and I need a Savior. We know this. She knew it was Jesus. That's why she viewed herself as a servant because her status didn't matter. Her physical status to Jesus was not what was important. What mattered was her service to Jesus. Your status never comes before your service. I'll say that again. You should have got a louder amen from that. I'll say it again. Your status never comes before your service. Thank you for the couple more amens. That was great. I was much better second time around. It's true, right? Your service comes before your status. She was blessed. She was, the angel says, you're highly favored. I don't think 
Mary doubted the fact that she was highly favored because she followed God. She followed the law. This was not a shock to her, like, oh, wow, I guess I am. She knew what she was doing. She knew she was following God, but that still didn't change the fact that she had to serve the Messiah. Your service comes before your status. That's a good tweetable thing. If you like to tweet at Pastor Nick Espel, right, at this, your status never comes before your service. So many times we want the service, right? We want the status of something without putting the time into it, right? There's so many, ask pastor about this, so many times in church, in church settings, right? People want status that have never served before, right? You can talk to my dad. I know he has, people come up to him and go, pastor, I want to preach. I want to be a minister. God's called me to be a minister. And he goes, great, have you served anywhere? They're like, no. Go serve a children's church first and tell me if you could preach to people. If you could preach the gospel to a five-year-old, you could preach the gospel to a crowd of people, amen? But see, what is, what's the issue there? The issue is not the, 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 the end game, right? The, the goal, right? People want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But to have that position of status, it can't come without some type of service. Because if I'm not faithful in the little, how can God trust me in being faithful in the much? But when I'm faithful in the little, when I serve, then the status will come. Not because I want status, because I'm showing God I'm humble, I'm showing God I'm obedient, and so he will elevate me in his timing to further his call and further his ministry. Amen? Everything we have, right, this building, the ministry that my father has built over 30 years, this is all because he has served the Lord. He continues to serve the Lord. We are serving the Lord. That's why we are here today. We don't do this because I want to look good. I want to be on. I'm doing this to serve God. He's given me a call in my life just like he's given you a call in your life. He wants you to take you to the highest level, but we have to realize that our service has to come before our status. I'm not going to hand someone that's never worked a day in their life the keys to run Walmart. I'm not going to say, here you go, take over, you're the CEO now. It would tank faster than you can imagine, right? They don't, they've never worked a day in their life. They don't even know how the, ca- the registers work. They don't even know how to organize a couple people for a schedule shift, right? And here I am at having them in charge of this huge company. It doesn't work like that because our status will never come before our service. Mary was a servant before her status was even public. In, in, the, in the quiet time, in the private time, she was serving the Lord, following his laws, following his statutes, honoring him, serving him. She was a servant before her status of the Blessed Virgin ever came out. See, what you do in hidden sometimes shows more than what you do in public, and it has to. That your private time has to be more important than your public time. Her response, right? Behold the handmaid. Know what she's saying there? Here's the servant. Here's the willing servant to my Savior. And see, God will always give you a chance to serve before a position of status. He will always open up the door. He'll always provide a way for you to serve in some capacity before that position of elevation, before that position of status. Now, what happens when we serve? What what happens when we're obedient? Well, the power flows. Because if you look at Acts chapter 2, you can just look up on the screen. It says, and, and on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders, right? That word dunamis, power, miracle working, power in action, in heaven above and in signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. What happens when we have the heart of a servant? The power of God flows. 
the heart of a servant, the power of God flows on, on my servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy and they'll have wonders and there's going to be power in action in the heart of a what? In the heart of a servant. How much more was Peter effective after the resurrection of Jesus when he realized his ultimate position of servanthood? See, before the cross, he, him and his disciples are like, Lord, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus says, you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least. You want to be first, you've got to be last. But then when Peter realizes what it means to be a servant, then he's walking through the crowds like we read last week in Acts, and his shadow is overshadowing and power is flowing, because why? Power flows through his servants. The power of God. When, when we say, Lord, let it be, the power of God's going to go into action, it's going to flow in your life. Mary understood her, her spiritual position, her spirituality mattered more than her physicality or her physical relationship to Jesus. And when we get that revelation about how our, our, phys our physical relationships don't really matter as much as our, our spiritual relationship with God, when, when we're trying to honor God with all that we do, we'll do more for God on accident than we can ever try to do on purpose. When you recognize your position in the kingdom. See, God gave, Mary gave God permission to move. She had the right relationship. She understood his nature. She honored God in all that she did. She was a servant to her Savior before he was even born. She knew her position of servanthood mattered more than her position of motherhood. She was convinced about her position, and she gave God permission to move in her life. So how, how do we give God permission to move in our life? You have to sow the word of God in your heart. You have to sow the word of God in your heart. To give God permission to move, you have to sow the word of God. See, how do you grow crops? If you're a farmer, how do you grow crops? You grow crops because you give the seed permission to grow in the ground. You, you, you till it, you, you clear out the weeds, you dig a place for it, you give the seed permission to grow, you cover it up, you water it, and then after you're patient and after you wait and after you're just waiting on the Lord, then what happens? Growth takes place. See, when, when we give God permission to grow in our heart, right, the power of God's going to go into action. When we make room, right, when we plant the seed in our heart, we remove the weeds. When we plant the word, when we find those promises of God and claim them, and we stand on them, we water the seed, we pray, we read, we meditate, we're going to be patient, and then we're going to have a harvest of the power of God because of us being humble servants. Just planting that seed. Because when you realize your position in Christ and after you realize it, the next point is you have to trust the confirmation. Because see, Mary had an encounter with an angel. It was a private, intimate encounter. But then as we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 39, then she goes to her cousin and then there's a confirmation about what the angel told to her. Let's look at verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Mary says, hi. Now this is the response from Elizabeth. The babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as your, the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. What, did she, what is she talking about? Believed in the word the angel gave her, right? Blessed is she, blessed, blessed are you, Mary, who believed in what you heard. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. 
So Elizabeth hears Mary. The moment she hears Mary, the babe jumps, she gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and she gets this revelation of what just happened to Mary. She goes, you're pregnant. The baby inside of you is the son of God. This is a blessed thing. You're so blessed. I believe everything that you heard. This is what she feels on the inside. See, here's the amazing thing. When we're following God, you're going to get so much revelation from God that some of it's going to be for you, for other people, and some of it's going to be from other people for you. See, when you're close to God, right, let's go back to this, you'll get revelation from God for other people. Elizabeth confirmed the experience that Mary had in private with the angel. She said, you're blessed. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Everything you heard is blessed. Everything that happened to you is blessed. Mary walks in and goes, hi, and Elizabeth just pours out all this stuff, right? Probably a little taken back, right? Mary's like, hi. She comes at her with all this stuff, and Mary's probably like, okay, what did you eat, right? But Elizabeth confirms the testimony that Mary experienced and was going to share, and then she does. She gets filled with the Holy Spirit. All of these amazing things happen. See, when you're following God, when you're a servant, when you're humbly seeking him, you'll get revelation from God for other people, just like Elizabeth had for Mary. I, the Lord told me something. I know what it's going to be. It's going to be confirmation. It might be, it might be corrective, and we have to learn to take that with grace, but really it's, it's going to be a confirmation of something that God has spoken over you. When someone gives you a word from God, it will be contrary. It will not be contrary, excuse me. It will not be contrary to what God has already told you. If God is telling you, I put this desire in your heart, you're going to start a company, you're going to start a business, and you pray about it, and you feel like that seed has been planted in your heart, and he, he knows your desires and passions, and someone says, don't ever start a business in this economy, what are you going to do? Well, do you, do you just focus on this worldly economy, or do you focus on the other economy that you're a part of. See, if it's contrary to what God is telling you, that's why it's so important to know his voice. We talked about that last week. Why do you need to know the sound of the Holy Spirit? Because that's how we get guidance. That's how we get instructions. That's how we get directive. It's through the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And when he speaks to you, you'll get revelation from God for other people. Maybe you'll give it, but then also when you surround yourself with the right people, you'll get confirmation from them about what God has been speaking to you. See, when you surround yourself with good, godly people, good, godly counsel, good, godly friends, it's not going to contradict what God is telling you. It's going to confirm what God has told you, what God is showing to you, and it's going to bless God. That's the most amazing thing. Why does God want us to be successful in all that we do here? So we can honor him. When people go, how are you so successful? You say, it's God. How are you doing well? How is your business doing well in this economy? You say, well, my business tithes to give God the glory. It's things like that that will draw people. The power of God it will, it will infuse itself in every area of your life if our response is, let it be. It's, it, you have to know God closely to know his will, right? If, could you imagine if Mary wasn't close to God, Elizabeth comes to her and goes, hey, you're pregnant. She goes, what are you talking about? Well, God told me you're pregnant, and she did not have an encounter because she wasn't close to God. It's going to be kind of confusing, right? Thank, thank God that Mary had the relationship with God. Thank God Elizabeth had the relationship with God because there's that confirmation in there. And this is why it's so important to surround yourself with good godly counsel. Look at, look at Proverbs 24, verse 6, real quick, up here. It says, for by wise counsel you will wage war on your own. 
and in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Because every single day, we are waging war against the enemy. We have the victory in Christ Jesus, amen? Isn't it nice to have friends that encourage you that you have the victory, that can point you to the roadmap towards victory that Jesus has already provided? Because every single day, we're waging war. Every single day, it's nice to surround yourself with smart people. Some of us are trying to fight battles with stupid counsel. Didn't expect a huge, roaring, thunderous amen after that. But it's true, right? Sometimes we are trying to fight wars with bad advice. Or sometimes we are trying to fight wars with people that don't want you to be victorious. We go, why, Lord, why am I struggling so much? He goes, I don't want them on your team. They're not part of your battle plan. You put me first, and I'll have the right people be a part of your battle plan. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Listen, if you try to do everything on your own, it's going to be very, very difficult for you. Very difficult. Jesus had 12. Then he had three that were really close. Jesus surrounded himself with 12 guys on his earthly ministry. Why? Because he knew that this principle even mattered for him as the Savior to go around his earthly ministry to say, you know what? We have to surround ourselves with good people. He needed, he relied on the disciples in key moments in his ministry at the garden before the crucifixion. He takes Peter, James, and John. He goes, come with me. I want you just to, just to stay up. I just want you to pray with me. Why? Because he needed that support around him. He knew, Jesus knew, he was going through the most difficult experience that any human was going to go through. And he wanted to show the disciples, listen, you have to be around each other. You have to support each other. Because in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. If you think about it, right, it could have been easy for Mary to slip into doubt. It could have been very easy for Mary. From, from when she had the encounter with the angel to her going to see her cousin Elizabeth, right, however long the journey took, however many miles it was, every step, though, you think, right, when you're by yourself, isn't that amazing how much you think about things that are going on in your life? And I don't know if it's just me, but when you're just thinking about things, it can be really easy to spiral negatively about those things. I guess that's only me, right? No one else has ever experienced that in the history of mankind, right? It's easy to think negatively about situations when, when you're just by yourself. It can be. But isn't it nice to have godly counsel around you? Because I think Mary could have very easily slipped into doubt. The Zacharias did. He doubted instantly. The angel saw him. He doubted. And that's why we see in verse 20 in Luke chapter 1, the angel said, okay, you're going to be quiet now because you don't believe. And I'm not going to let you talk yourself out of a miracle, so just don't talk for nine months. It's okay. Elizabeth will thank me later, right? Because we're all human. That's what it is. When it boils down to this, listen, we're all human. We all have a fleshly part of us that, that was, was an old way that the old way is now dead. Right? Our old way is dead and done, and, and we have to renew our mind, and we have to renew our hearts and our, and our speaking and our actions and what we do, but we're human. Zacharias was a priest. He followed God. This was not an unlearned, unbiblical, unscriptural man. He was close to God, but yet that little bit of doubt hindered him from experiencing the joy that God wanted him to experience. You know, even if you're the mother of the Messiah, we can still experience human emotion. What did Mary do at the cross of Jesus? She cried. Because why? She loved him. She, she had emotions. She was not just some savior birthing robot, right? She was the mother. She was a mother to her savior. She cared about him. That's why it's so important to know who we are in Christ. To, to have the right response. To know the promises of God. To surround yourself with smart 
people. Please get rid of negative people. Get rid of toxic people. Surround yourself with good people. It's better to have one good person around you than 10 okay people or 30 really not good people, right? Oh, but I'll lose followers online. Who cares? Let them go. The best thing some people do when they're Facebook friends with me and they don't follow the same statues and the Lord like I do, they unfriend me. Smile and wave. God bless you. Hope you find Jesus. God loves you, right? Sometimes you've got to let go of people to grow. Well, that's good. Sometimes you've got to let go to grow. Let go of people to grow sometimes. That's very important. We have to trust the word of God. We have to trust the confirmation. We have to be willing to give the word of God, right? Isn't that hard when the Lord puts a word on your heart and, you want, and he says, share it with that person? You're like, I don't know if they're going through that or not. And you don't, and, you've, and then you hear later on they were going through whatever it is that God told you to share to that person. And you're like, wow, God, you're really good. And he's like, yeah, I was gonna have you show how good I am by you saying the word that I gave you without them even realizing it. So just step out in boldness, step out in faith, give the confirmation. Be ready to receive the confirmation from the people around you. Trust the word of God. Trust what God is sharing in your life, because if you don't trust the confirmation, the wrong responses can lead to missed opportunities. The wrong responses can lead to missed opportunities. You don't, you don't, you don't think so? Let's look at these three humans right here, okay? What were the wrong responses between Cain, Abraham, and Jonah? Well, Cain's wrong response in giving his offering to God, it says that he gave the fruit of the ground. I don't know if that's fruit growing from the ground. I envision it as like fruit that was on a tree that fell on the ground, and so he's gathering it up and then giving the ground fruit. If you ever go apple picking, how many of you know the apples on the ground aren't the best ones to eat, right? They're usually the ones that are filled with the most worms, that are rotten, that have insects in them. So what was the wrong response for Cain? Like I said, I read that. I, I, me, in my mind, I picture, wow, fruit fell off the tree. He's like, all right, I'll give this to God. That's the wrong response. And what happened? God honored Abel's response, not Cain's. The wrong response. Abraham and Haggai, we know this, right? That is the wrong response. When God tells you, you are going to have a child, it doesn't matter how old you are, God will not say, you're going to have a child with your maid and not your wife. That's crazy. But yet that was the wrong response for Abraham. Jonah and Tarshish. See, see, no one ever talks about Jonah and Tarshish, right? We always talk about Jonah and what? Nineveh. Well, he was supposed to go there, but where did he go? He went the farthest east he possibly could. He was at the dock. He was at the Port Authority, right? He was looking at all the places he could have gone, and he's like, okay, where's the farthest place east? Tarshish? I'm going to go there. That was the wrong response. But here's the best thing. See, even if, even if you don't respond right the first time, just make sure you do it right the second time. If you don't respond right the first time, don't think, Nick, I missed my chance with God. No, you didn't. He'll give you another chance. The second time, though, make sure you're paying attention. Respond right the next time, right? Because that, what happened with Abraham? Well, after the wrong first response, he responded the correct way with his wife, and then the problem, promised child, not problem child, the promised child, Isaac, was born. Because why? He responded right the second time. Jonah, the second time, God says, hey, listen, I need you to go to Nineveh. Okay, well, he went there. He did what God wanted him to do. He complained afterwards, but he responded better. He actually went. He actually preached, and the whole city got turned upside down and followed God. Listen, if you feel like what, you responded wrongly to God in the past, don't, don't sweat it. Don't, don't, don't beat yourself up about it. But be prepared for the next time. Because God is a God of second chances. Amen?
God is a God of second chances. There is no one that can disqualify themselves enough to not be part of the family of God. None of us. So when God gives you a second chance, be prepared for it. Can God use me still? Absolutely God can use you. Doesn't matter how young, it doesn't matter how old, God can use you. So if you didn't respond right the first time, make sure you respond right the second time. Because this is what happened with Zacharias. See, with Zacharias, then he, the first response wasn't right, but the second response, God gave him another chance to say something, and he responds better. Let's look here in verse 62. Luke 1 still verse 62. So now Elizabeth gives birth to John, and they, don't, they haven't publicly said his name is John yet. Zacharias still mute, and so here in verse 62, so they made signs to the father, what would he have him called? So they're like, what do you want to call him? And he, and, he, and he gathers, he asks for a writing tablet, and he wrote saying, his name is John, and they all marveled. They marveled because Elizabeth said, we want to call him John. She heard in her heart, it's going to be John. They're all like, but no one in your family has the name John, right? Unlike our family, right? We have a couple Johns in our family. That was a joke. Anyway, so they're like, no one in your family's named John. And so when they give Zechariah the writing tablet, everyone's blown away because this guy who hasn't spoken for nine months, the first thing he says is what the name of the child is, which is a confirmation of what God told Elizabeth. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and he spoke. And what's the first thing he does now that he can speak? He praises God. The first thing he does is he praises God. He's been silent for nine months not being able to say anything. And the first thing he does, God gives him a second chance, right? He, he doubted the first time. Nine months of silence. God gives him another chance. He goes, okay, now let's see what you're gonna say. And the first thing he does is he praises God. When you get that second chance from God, the first thing you do, just praise him. God, I thank you, give me another chance. I'm not gonna mess up this time. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna trust in you. I'm gonna remove the doubt. I'm gonna remove the unbelief. I'm gonna trust in you completely. I'm gonna trust in you wholly. Because in what happened, verse 65, then the fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all of the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So even after the wrong response, right? Angel's saying, you know what? You doubted me. You're going to be quiet. The right response from Zechariah second time around is, you know, he praised God. Because then when that second chance comes around, praise God. You think about this. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were very old. And, and back then in that time, your, your legacy carried on through what? Through your children. They didn't let you, you know, buy a library and slap a plaque on your name, Right? the Zechariah and Elizabeth Honorary Library. They didn't have that back then, right? And so, like, how did you live on? You lived on with children. And so for them at their old age, people probably looked, down, looked at them and said, it's sad, you know, they're, once they pass, their family's done. There's nothing else that's going to come after them. It could have been very sad. And, and, it, and if Zechariah was, was, had the right response to begin with, what, what could the outcry have been? Well, he could have said, hey, listen, God's going to do a miraculous thing in my life. God's going to bless my wife with a child. And everyone could have gone, wow. And what would have happened? Hope would have went through. Hope, wow, this family who maybe that, you know, they weren't going to have a legacy now is going to have a legacy. And they're putting their faith, they're putting their trust in God. Man, that's amazing. Build, they would build the faith of those around them. Angel said, what? You're in agreement with what that angel said? Man, that's amazing. God is good. See, the right response 
could have a great impact. And even if we don't respond right the first time, even if maybe we doubt when the second time comes around, praise God and do it differently. Listen, if you feel like you didn't respond right the first time, Zechariah didn't. God gave him another shot. God wasn't done with him. God wasn't done with his family. God wasn't done with John. And God's not done with you. First time you made a mistake, it's okay. God is not done with you. Doesn't matter how young or how old, God is not done with you. He still has something for you. He still has a plan for you. He still has a goal for you. You can pick up now wherever you are and follow it because God's not done. It's like that song, right? God's not done writing your story. I'm not going to sing it because you'd all be too impressed with my singing abilities right now. And you would, anyway, last point. Okay, here's the last point we're going to talk about. God wants all to respond to him. See, this is not just for a select few. We've been talking about a few people in, in Luke chapter 1 and about Mary, about how the angel visits Mary, the, the, the angel visits Elizabeth, and, or visits Zechariah. We see all of these things taking place, and we can see and think of, well, you know, God really wants to respond to just these really, really hardcore Christians, right? Or these really, really hardcore God followers, and that's not the case. I want you to turn, flip a page if you have to. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 14. We're going to jump ahead a little bit in this, in this passage here, but what are we jumping into? The angels have now come to the shepherds in the field, right, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, the, angel, like the glory of the Lord shines round about them. Think about this for a moment. There's an, a, a, a host of angels visiting shepherds in a field, which before the events of Jesus took place, there were 400 years of none of that. No prophets, no God-honoring kings, no judges, no supernatural encounters. 400 years after the last minor prophet to this moment in history has been silent. And now an angel visits Mary, an angel visits Zechariah, and now angels are visiting shepherds in a field. They're afraid. The angel brings them good news. They tell him that the Messiah, the Lord, is born. He's a baby. You'll see this baby wrapped in a manger. And then the angels say this. Look at verse 14. They say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. In verse 16, it says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they, who? The shepherds, made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. See, when God spoke to the shepherds, who was the message for? The message was for the shepherds, right? The, the angels came to speak to the shepherds and say, go and see the Jesus. But go see this baby, this, this Messiah who's born in a manger. But really, who was the message for that the shepherds received? It was for everybody else. Here are the first New Testament evangelists. These dirty, smelly shepherds. The ones that if you looked at would probably think, why would God use them? They smell. They live with animals. They live outside in the wilderness. They don't have social status. They don't have class. They're just rough farm hands. Because the gospel is 
for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. It's not just for those who think they have it all figured out. The gospel is for everyone. God wants everyone to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how much you know about God or how little you know about God. God wants you to respond to the gospel. Because when you have that encounter with Jesus, it changes your life. They heard, they saw, they could not keep their mouths closed. When we hear, when we respond to the gospel, we see Christ in our hearts. We see that it should have been us up on that cross. We respond differently because the gospel is for everyone. Why, why did God use shepherds? Because shepherds were very good at keeping safe something very precious, something very valuable, something very tender and delicate, right? Sheep, if they go, they have to pick them up. They're, they have to herd them. They have to take care of them. It's easy for them to go astray. It's easy for them to be prey. They're by themselves. The shepherds knew how to protect something very precious. And so for God to have the first set of evangelists be shepherds, I think they knew how to manage something precious like the gospel. I think they knew how to take care of it. I think that they knew that this is something very important that they have to take care of. And all of their lives, they have been taking care of something that is very important, which have been the sheep. Someone needs a sacrifice for the temple, they have to get a sheep. The shepherd's the one that keeps track of the sheep. You want to make wool, you need a shepherd. He's got the sheep from, that can give you the wool. You need lamb to cook something, you want to make it a burnt offering. You need to go to the shepherds because they're protecting the sheep. Because it's valuable, right? The gospel is valuable. And they could have just hid it in their hearts, Right? They, they could have just hit it in their hearts. They could have received from God. They could have responded positively, and they could have just kept it in their hearts. But that's not what they did. They went out, and they could not stop talking about Jesus. He's born. He's here. He's finally here. All the prophecies, everything makes sense, everything culminating to this point. Here he is. He's in a manger. He's here. They had the right response. They heard about Jesus. They saw Jesus. They shared Jesus. The right response led to the first part of Jesus' ministry, which was the announcing of his arrival. These shepherds, these backcountry, dirty, scruffy, smelly guys were the first ones that God used to be evangelists in the New Testament. Because it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you, where you grew up. It doesn't matter what your status is. If you are willing to be used by God, he will use you. If you say, let it be, God will let it be more than you're probably ready to receive it. It's a season of power. How, how do we respond to God? How, how does that impact the relationship with God? We have to realize that our position in Christ matters. And when the confirmation comes, we have to trust the confirmation. Either trust that God gives you something for somebody else. Maybe you're Elizabeth, and when Mary walks in, God tells you, say these things and you respond, or maybe you're Mary, you surround yourself by that good counsel, and when you walk into your neighbor's house, they're going to confirm what God has shared with you, but trust the confirmation. And, and don't ever think that if you missed an opportunity that, that, it's, that it's done and God can't use you, because God will give you a second chance. Just when you get the second chance, right, respond correctly. The most important thing, though, realize this for everybody, that God wants all to respond to him. Not just the elite God-following ones at the time. He wants everyone to have that humble heart of a servant to follow him. Your response reflects your readiness. 
Your response reflects your readiness. Mary's response reflected her readiness to receive what God had for her. Zechariah's response didn't reflect his readiness. The, angels, uh, the, the shepherd's response reflected their readiness. So when you dig into the word, you ask God for a sign, your, your response reflects your readiness. And here's the other thing too. When you ask God for something and he tells you what it is, do it. Do it. Someone close to me asked God, God, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go talk to this person. I want you to be a part of a praise and worship team. She had no previous praise and worship experience. Know what she did? Not talk to them right away. Why? Because it's scary sometimes. God, how could you use me? I don't, I don't have a voice to sing, but maybe you have a gift of just worshiping. Well, God, I, I don't know how you can enable me to do this. I don't have the finances to back up what you're calling me to do. God will make a way in that area. God, I don't know how. I don't have the skills to do X, Y, and Z. How can I do it? See, listen, if God calls you to do something, if you lack something, God will give you what you lack to glorify him. Whatever you're lacking, God will give you to glorify him. He'll provide you with whatever you lack to complete that plan for him. It can come from someplace you're not expecting. It can come from someone you're not expecting it to come from. It could be a skill that you didn't even think you possessed, but God reveals it in your heart, and, he's gonna, and you go, wow, I didn't know I can do this. But then that's when God says, I'm the God of the impossible. Listen, don't be surprised when this happens. Don't, don't be surprised. Just be humble when it happens. Be a servant. And then when you're a humble servant, you can watch the power of God flow. Amen? Let's pray. Let's close the service. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you, Father, that you have given us that dunamis power, that miracle-working power in action. Father, I pray that every single one of us has the right response now to your Holy Spirit drawing us closer to you. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit is leading us into the direction that you have for us, Father, so that we can live a life of power, that we can show these signs, these miracles, these wonders that give you all of the glory, Father. We thank you for all these things. We thank you for what you're going to continue to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And listen, this is the time of year where everyone sings about the birth of a Savior. And it is so, so important that you have that relationship with that Savior. If you don't have that relationship with that Savior, this is just the time of year where we sing songs that don't mean much. But when you understand that Jesus came to this earth, he left the splendor of heaven in a humble manger because he loves you, because he wants you to love him, because he wants you to realize that God loves you, that will change your life. So if you're ready to make that commitment to follow Christ, if you are ready to accept what God has for you, just repeat after me. Everyone say, Jesus. Say, be my Lord, be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you are alive from the dead. Lord, live in me. Lord, work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about the church or would like to support our ministry, head over to ChristianFaithCTR.com. 
be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.